When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Hello, check one, two, three, test. Is this on? Uh, yeah, How does this yeah, work? <laughs> How does It's been so long, I feel like I've got to re-educate myself to everything. This I, is, mean, I mean, we're way into the new year now. Yeah, we are way into this. Is the, our first live show of 2017 is tonight. That's, that's correct. Oh my gosh! And uh, yeah, wow, I'm happy we both made it tonight. I know, <laughs> so, I know, I know. And, the, and we appreciate everybody uh, hanging on with us through uh, a bunch of best of shows. They were great interviews, but of course, we always like doing the live stuff, and I think people appreciate that too. But tonight we've got Mike Barra and uh, Barra and. He's got many books out, and honestly, he's he's been on just endless shows on uh, Ancient Aliens and uh, a bunch of other things on the History Channels. But uh, he's written a bunch of books, uh, Dark Missions, The Secret History of NASA, The Choice, Hidden Agenda, NASA and the Secret Space Program, Ancient Aliens on the Moon, Ancient Aliens on Mars, Ancient Aliens on Mars Part 2, and Ancient Aliens and Secret Societies. He's a he's a self-described uh, born again conspiracy theorist, and uh, he has a born again well, conspiracy. That's what we're going to find out. Mm-hmm. But I know that he started to see things later in his life that he didn't recognize before, and he's starting to become very curious, very inquisitive, and he's doing a lot of research on some of these topics. So you know, you and I, Jay, talk a lot about conspiracy theories, and uh, this will be a great great conversation tonight. Um, getting into some, especially the the, the NASA related ones or the the Moon, Mars, those types of things. Kind of two the merging of two topics we like to talk about. Mike, welcome to Beyond Reality Radio. Great to have you on the show hi guys thanks to thanks for having me it's great to be here oh i'm looking forward to this i'm, I'm a fan of your work i've seen you on a history channel many times and uh, so i really think tonight's gonna be interesting um well i hope so i mean i hope i'm an interesting guy if i'm not <laughs> you won't have me back so. mike what does it mean kind of have to be i don't have a choice what well, it, yeah so the pressure's on so go ahead <laughs> what does I work it, better under pressure what does like russell wilson <laughs> okay what does it mean to be a born-again conspiracy theorist uh, interesting. I was just thinking about that today. What I mean by that is that, you know, what I became a conspiracy theorist um, when I actually got involved with following the story of TWA 800, the 747 that was shot down by a missile just off Long Island in 1996. And, you know, it was at that point when I was really listening to what the things were that the government was saying and the FBI representatives and all the stuff that was coming up that I knew was garbage because I was an aerospace structural engineer and and I just knew there were lies coming out of their mouths on a regular basis. And, um, you know, once I realized that they were lying, I was like, holy crap, can I say... You, you say bad words. You can't. The internet. Yeah, no, we're not the internet. No, you broadcasting <laughs> anyway. Okay, I went holy. You know, holy crap. Um, these guys are hiding this. This is a conspiracy to hide this information. And of course, the internet was just dawning at that time. And um, uh, you know, I kind of went 
not only are conspiracies real, they really do happen. I now have to get out and tell people about this. And what do born-again Christians do? They proselytize. That's their big thing. they got to get out. Once they discover Jesus, they have to get out and tell everybody about Jesus. And it was the same thing with me. I have to get out, and I have to wake people up, and I have to tell everybody that reality is not what we think it is, and that there are conspiracies and many, many things going on behind the scenes you have to be aware of, or at least I felt like they had to be aware of. So that's what got me into the whole born and that's why I call myself a born again conspiracy theorist, because I was like, it's not enough just for me to know there are conspiracies. I have to convince other people too. And you've written um, extensively on a number of these conspiracies and um, talked on many others. Uh, some of the books you've written, of course, are The Choice, Dark Mission, The Secret History of NASA, Ancient Aliens on the Moon, Mars, and Mar- And you've had a follow-up, uh, Ancient Aliens on the Mars 2, Ancient Aliens mm-hmm. and Secret Societies, Hidden Agenda, NASA, and the Secret Space Program. Let's talk a little bit about NASA, because uh, you've written a lot about that. Um, they yeah, That's you- the first thing I- <laughs> you say there's uh, there's mystery and conspiracy around their founding um, more than you know just to, to start off with tell us about that well i mean it's pretty interesting as you dig into this i mean nasa there's different divisions of nasa and aspects i mean you've got the jet propulsion laboratory out in pasadena which started out with um a bunch of guys that were actually a freak show it was a guy named jack parsons who most people have never heard of but there is a a crater on the moon named after him he developed solid rocket boosters solid rocket engines uh the first reliable ones that were ever used and he was one of the founders of JPL. He was also a committed Satanist. He hung around with L. Ron Hubbard, who had just gotten out of the Navy and basically made a beeline to Jack Parsons' mansion in Pasadena. And they were doing all kinds of rocketry experiments, and they did all sorts of satanic, cultic, worshiping, weird things. They used to do ceremonies and uh, you know before their rocket launches that were very uh, a pagan and a cult. Um, Parsons was involved with, with a woman named Marjorie Cameron, who I still am convinced is somehow related to James Cameron, the film director, although I can't prove it yet. I'm working on that. And she showed up at his mansion. She was the, actually the secretary for the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. She quit that job to go hang out with this guy Parsons. And then she and Parsons and Hubbard all went through this ceremony. It's called the Babylon Working, which basically involved – you know, Parsons having sex with Cameron and, <laughs> and Hubbard writing down everything that happened. He was described. That's basically what happened. Whoa. <laughs> um, you know, and, and the whole purpose was to create a child who would become the whore of Babylon, who Parsons would then in turn impregnate when she was old enough and give birth to the Antichrist and destroy the Western world. That that was the sole purpose of this. And these are the people that founded the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. On, of all days, guess what? Halloween 1936. So that's just one story of the founding well, of NASA. Well, and also, but, uh, um, uh, Hubbard, Hubbard is uh, the, the founder of Scientology, correct? Yeah, exactly. And, and the guy, the inventor, the founder of Scientology. It's just interesting. I was just watching um, the other day a, a documentary on, on Scientology by uh, Leah Romini, who got out of the church and just all the kind of stuff that goes on there. Although I was invited down after Dark Mission. I was invited down when I wrote about this stuff to um, to go down there and visit them, and they were going to straighten me out on who Hubbard was. And they did, you know, they did a pretty convincing job, and they were very, very nice to me. 
And that's all I got to say about it. My experience with the church was not anything negative. So um, I'm not going to not going to trash them too much. But, yeah, Hubbard was the founder of Scientology. How, how does Werner von Braun, the obviously noted uh, Nazi uh, well, he basically, war criminal? Yeah, he basically yeah. created yeah. The, uh, yeah, the, the Nazi, you know, rocketry program. And, uh, and, yeah. and he eventually gets involved in this whole thing. Well, you know, as I said, in, by the way, real quickly before we go, can I give a shout out to my girlfriend, Tanya? Sure. She's really sick down in California. I feel terrible. I'm not able to to be there to support her right now. So, Aww. sweetie, I hope you get better soon. Yeah. Best, I, wasn't that sweet? Wishes. I'm a sweet guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, and Von Braun, you know, had these deep SS ties. One of his best friends was uh, Heinrich Himmler. In fact, the photo, the only photograph of him at his SS induction ceremony where he became a major in the SS, uh, Himmler is actually stepping right in front of him, and, and he was at the ceremony. Not everybody who joined the SS got Heinrich Himmler at their induction ceremony. Let's just put it that way. So right. he was a very well-connected, ardent Nazi, should not have been brought over under Operation Paperclip, under the rules that, that Harry S. Truman had set down, but yet he was because we needed him so bad. And as I said on um, Ancient Aliens, which was uh, about you know aliens in the Third Reich, was one of the great episodes early on. I said, you know, look, we didn't have an American rocket program. We had a German rocket program because von Braun brought over all sorts of other uh, – German scientists and engineers, people like Kurt Debus, who were in charge of all of the major NASA facilities during the Apollo era and, and in charge of the program to to build these amazing rockets that took the astronauts to the moon. We're all based on the V two, which von Braun brought some you know, they were able to capture some samples and he you know, they rebuilt them, took the swastikas and the iron crosses off of them and and um, you know, put a checkerboard pattern on them and stuff, and launched them out of Launch Pad 33 out there in the New Mexico desert, the only launch pad at the time. And they numbered it 33, which of course is a big Masonic number. So there's all this secret society involvement and all this stuff. And um, and then they later for the developments of rockets were all kind of based off that V2 technology, the Titans, the Atlases, and all the and eventually the Saturn were all developed by von Braun to. Um, primarily as the, as the chief engineer to take Americans to the moon. And that was, you know, so really without the Germans, we wouldn't have had an American moon landing. Do you think in retrospect that there's justification in bringing a war criminal, a Nazi war criminal from Germany to the United States uh, to, to secure and develop that technology? Well, I mean, I guess if the Cold War was a real thing, you know, I can understand some people making the decision like that. We've got to get the high ground in this coming war against communism. We've you know, got to have the technology, and we're going to have to deal with some bad actors in order to get that done. So I, I, I think morally, no, it's not justifiable, but um, I can see why people would, would do it and why they would put their morals aside back during that period. And von Braun, of course, was probably the smartest guy out of all of them, although the Russian expert Korolev was uh, was quite a genius himself. Rocketry expert was was a genius. He was not German. But, I mean, you know, I don't know what to say about that. I think yeah. it's fairly well established. If you look at, if you look at Linda Hunt's book, um, which is called Secret Agenda, Not Hidden Agenda, which is the title of my new book, um, Secret Agenda, she talks about Paperclip and talks about all the things that Von Braun knew about. And at the very least, you can say that he clearly knew 
um, knew that slave labor was being used and the prisoners were being executed, and and that makes him complicit. But because we needed him, um, he ended up doing, you know, instead instead of being tried at the Nuremberg trials, he ended up, uh, you know, on American television, working for Walt Disney. And living the good life. So, um, one of the things you bring up is some of the things that NASA is hiding about the moon. Tell us something about that. Well, I mean, what I see is it's really interesting too, because it, you know, as you get into this subject, what you used to be able to do is order actual, authentic eight by ten glossy photographs out of the NASA archives, and there were. Geez, half a dozen archives all over the country. There was one in Hawaii, Ohio, um, Maryland, Texas, St. Louis, and you were able to order, um, you know, live—not live, but you know—you were able to order original images. And although they had been, you know, they were now six or seven generation because between 1968 and the mid 90s, um, there was a lot of a uh, lot of different versions of these things put out. You um, you could see that there was a major difference between what is printed on the original first generation NASA issued photographs and what's online today. And what seems to be missing is pretty much every image that shows something that looks like an artificial structure on on the moon. And there are lots and lots of images that have that. You see images of things that appear to be pyramids, ziggurats, buildings, roads, bridges, equipment that's been abandoned or damaged. I mean, it's kind of everywhere on the lunar surface. And you see this stuff all over the place, but yet in the current NASA web archives, most of it is actually I guess I would say airbrushed out in the old-fashioned way. Kind of airbrushed, doesn't exist on there anymore. So, um, you know, t- to me, that is a problem because you don't no longer have a reliable, consistent database. But fortunately, a lot of people who worked at NASA did take these images and, um, and actually put them, you know, under the stairwell in a, in a photo album. And, you know, that they're, they're some of the most valuable information I think you can get in doing my kind of investigation because you're looking at the original data set. And there's no question that the, the official NASA archive data set has been altered over the years. Well, and, and, but why do you think that they would do that? Why do you think that they would hide that, in, that information? Well, because at the dawn of NASA, at the dawn of the space age, they commissioned a report uh, by the Brookings Institute, which was the number one most important think tank in the world at the time. And they asked them, what do we do when we go out exploring the solar system? And what they got back in that report was basically you're not going to meet ET, but you have a really good chance at finding artifacts of another civilization that has been through these parts before. And if in fact you find that, you should very, very seriously consider not telling anybody. And the reason why is because if you tell people that there were aliens and they were more advanced than us and they've been through here before, they will freak out. It will literally drive them crazy, and it actually used the word disintegrate. It actually said our culture, our society could disintegrate because our experience is that when a superior culture encounters an inferior culture, the inferior culture is inevitably 
wiped out. It ceases to exist. And so part of the thinking there, and this, remember this study was, there were people like Margaret Mead were involved in this study. I mean, some of the most brilliant anthropological minds of the, uh, of the period were involved. And uh, that was one thing. Basically, it said the scientists and the engineers will be the least able to deal with this because they're um, their whole self-esteem is built into the idea that they have mastery over nature. So basically what it's saying is the Bill Nye, the science guys, and the Neil deGrasse Tysons, and and the um, – who's the Asian guy with the long hair? Not Michio Kaku, but one of the other guys. Michio Kaku. They're going to have the hardest time dealing with aliens. So they're – of course, and it's really interesting as you watch them because they're so dismissive of the evidence, which I think is very um, – uh, credible if not overwhelming the other reason is this if you ha hold a press conference and you say okay we kind of suspected that there was the remnants of an ancient alien civilization on the moon that's why we really went to the moon we sent apollo there and they brought us back the proof they brought us back the technology and we're now working on reverse engineering it the first question you're going to get at that press conference is oh okay so there was a super highly advanced civilization on the moon a long time ago the answer is yes okay so the next question is what happened to them Again. and if the answer is that they were destroyed in some sort of either war which is one possibility or some sort of epic natural cataclysm asteroid strike then right. you are well asteroid striker there's other actually other ways there's at least three different theories and papers out there ways that planets can just explode by themselves so you know what's going to happen at that point is people are going to go well wait a minute the earth is a planet and couldn't that happen to the earth and then they're going to stop maybe caring as much about going to work and doing a good job and being productive and moving the society and the culture forward. So it would be extremely damaging to our way of life and our thought processes and our psychological, we'd go into a depression in essence yeah. and we would start questioning things. So that I think is the really the secret big reason why they're never going to admit it publicly. Like I don't believe in this disclosure stuff. I don't believe disclosure is ever really going to happen. Oh, either do uh, I. At least not the president coming out and saying it because it would just it, you know it's a destabilizing element you introduce that into the body politic if you're at the top of the food chain like obama or trump or somebody like that the only direction you're going to go is down there's no way you're going to become more powerful or you know and if, so it just doesn't make any sense to me that they would make a decision like that and reveal that information i just don't see it happening well and it's so confusing for me because i'm the kind of individual where if you told me this i would be hey all right well let me know what you if, if you need me to you know throw in some more money into tax dollars or whatever just so we can advance this technology and get out there and figure out you know what happened or where where these things have gone to i'm i'm in but so i don't i guess i don't look at it like well i guess how the government would feel a lot of uh, the rest of society would look at it. I'd be more looking towards uh, excelling ourselves to try to to figure it out and, and see them. But then why have, have so many other governments not come forward? I, I know there have been some governments that have come forward and, and admitted more or even said that the U.S. really needs to start telling their people more of what, what they know when it comes down to alien life and, and the existence. But just why haven't more really come out? Right. Well, that the thing is, though, is you have to remember that that's you and me. That's not everybody all over the world. I mean, it does say specifically in the study that 
by the way, the study, the Brookings Report study, is the basis for the film 2001. That's what Kubrick uh, was trying to tell everybody was pay attention to this thing, um, that they're not going to tell you the truth when they go out and explore space. But, um, you know, we're of one mindset, and it wouldn't bother us so much. But, again, the scientists, the engineers, the Neil deGrasse Tysons who think they know everything would likely be shattered by it. And, uh, you know, it also mentions that that the, the fundamentalist religious organizations would be, quote, electrified by it. And, you know, right now we have a big problem all over the world with uh, with ISIS and with other terrorist organizations that are fundamentally religious. And it, it, it would just make things they thought dramatically worse. So there's that is one of the reasons why. And in, in terms of other countries revealing information, I think there is a a behind-the-scenes agreement that you can go to a certain point but not go beyond that uh, in terms of revealing information. And some countries are more willing now, I think, today to break from that than they used to be. But to me, it's still not going to amount to much because you're not going to get any sort of official announcement from a government uh, that's English-speaking that you know can, the Canadians are not going to come out and tell us that there's aliens. Uh, they're going to do some small segment. Some guy might come out, you know, former government official might have something to say about it. But um, I think there's a sort of an agreement and because it also says that you should consider not telling them, but you might also consider that if you decide to tell them, you're going to have to do it with a period of preparation first, basically saying you have to get them ready. And that involves obviously film and television like like Star Trek and Lost in Space and all these shows that came out in the 60s are, I think, are part of that process. So it could just be that the judgment is, is that we're not ready yet to know it. And it could also be a thing where they just sort of nudge, nudge, wink, wink, de facto admit that aliens are out there. Everybody knows aliens are out there, but we're not ever officially going to say anything about it. That. Well- you know, could, to me, that that's I think what I'm seeing more. Uh, could it also be else. that they're they're concerned of the backlash that they've hidden this information from society, or they lie they've lied about it to to society for well, so course. long? Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, I think that you you have to. The, the, the key thing is who are you going to blame for this, right? You know, who's going to get blamed for us lying to you and and saying that we're we've lied to you for your own good for the last seventy or eighty years, or you know, the first extraterrestrial spacecraft crashed in the United States in nineteen forty two. You know, you're. It's not going to be easy to admit that every government has lied to you every congress every president has lied to you over the years that's not going to be a thing that's going to make a lot of people very happy it's going to shatter our illusions about who our leaders are what they were what they were willing to do their honesty um and that's a problem and also people don't want to be prosecuted so you know i think that's why you have little things that happen like john glenn who passed away recently you know went on the fraser TV show in 2003, and in this weird scene where Frazier and Roz leave the control room, he takes over the mic of this radio station and, and starts spilling out the truth about the things that he and the other astronauts saw in space and how terrifying they were. But it's all under the context of, oh, well, this is a fictional comedy show, even though there was nothing funny about the bit. And even though, you know, I, I can't imagine John Glenn 
when he was handed this script saying, oh, yeah, you want me to, to basically call everybody at NASA liars, the people who made me an American hero? Sure, I'll do that. Anything for a laugh. You know, right. it's it's there's all this stuff. If you add it all up, you see this big pattern, which is that some of the astronauts, Buzz Aldrin is a recent one, have tried to talk about this stuff and have tried to give us hints. But they're all restricted by these, I think, probably secrecy oaths. And, you know, nobody has lifted those yet. So, uh, you know, it's a situation where we're all kind of caught. Well, you brought up uh, Kubrick, and there there are many, many um, discussions about the messages Kubrick was or, uh, tried to send to people through his films. Um, the, the, the Shining is one where there are people that talk about the number of hints uh, that point to the fact that Kubrick actually was responsible for some, if not all, of the uh, moon landing footage. Where are you, what are your thoughts on those discussions? I think that's one of the dumbest things I've ever seen on, on YouTube. It's even dumber than a <laughs> flat earth. Um, Stanley Kubrick put messages in his films. In my opinion, his films all have the same theme, and that theme is that power structures are abusive. They will abuse their power. Okay, if you look at Passive Glory, if you look at Spartacus, if you look at 2001 in the Brookings context, if you look at Barry Lyndon, if you look at A Clockwork Orange, if you look at Eyes Wide Shut, even maybe The Shining is not quite in the same context. But you look at all of those, and what you see is that his overriding theme is that power structures governments abuse their power, and they are doing stuff that would make you cringe if you knew it was really going on now having said that you know i just have the kubrick's odyssey thing you know that's jay widener's thing um i have a hard time with a lot of it i don't think he understands how photography works on the moon in fact this is really interesting you brought this up because i'm going to do a new book this next year about conspiracy theories and one of the ones i'm going to focus on is did we really go to the moon or not or was it all faked in a movie studio and i'm going to really go after this and and point things out i don't think he understands photography the symbolism he talks about like the pattern on the on of the rug and the overlake hotel matching the launch pad of from 39a and 39b i mean it's not even true it doesn't it doesn't match it's not the same but then there's other stuff like and then the whole thing with room number 237 or 239 or whatever it is that's those are all reaches but on the other hand you know danny the little kid is wearing this apollo 11 uh sweater this right. apollo 11 sweater so that means something the question is does it you know i do not think it means what Jay Widener thinks it means. I suspect that he is trying to draw us back to aspects of the moon landing and the moon missions that were secret. But um, that is one of the things I would have to. T I'm going to take on in my next. Well, you book. know, one of the things that came to mind, and I've got no basis for this other than hearing the information. Um, when you mention that there are sanitized versions of photography from the moon that NASA is now using. Mm -hmm. I immediately thought, well, would it have been possible? Because there are some people who think that Kubrick's, um, you know, role in that was to not that we didn't go to the moon, but the version that we saw was staged. And could it have been that if they had shown us the real footage, we would have seen all these things on the moon? Instead, they showed us this uh, soundstage version, which didn't have those things. Yes and no is the answer to your question. Now, I did have a lot of extensive research on a couple of my moon books uh, on this. 
And did you know, you know, we've all seen the Apollo 11 footage, right? The first step on the moon, sure, Neil yeah. Armstrong, it's that horrible gray, black and white, terrible projection. Did, did you know that they had a high resolution color camera on the Apollo mission, which they were ordered to leave in the command module orbiting above the moon and not take to the surface of the moon. They were only allowed to take the black and white camera. And the reason is exactly what you said, because they didn't know what we would be able to see. And it even goes in the background. They didn't know if we'd be able to see any of this stuff, and they were extremely worried about it. And then if you go to the second Apollo 12, it's even more interesting because we've now found out that when they landed Apollo 12, they did something called a stand-up EVA, in other words, an extravehicular activity, which is where you step outside the spacecraft. Now, what that is, is where the astronauts land the spacecraft. They're still hooked up to their life support systems. They don't have their backpacks on yet. They open the top hatch, and then you stand on the ascent stage engine casing, and you can stick your head and shoulders up out of the lunar module and look around to the left and right. Now, they did this on Apollo 12, but they kept it a secret until 20. 2006, when somebody found in a document that they admitted that they had done this, and the, the, they claimed it was because there was a lot of dust at the landing site. The real reason why is they wanted to have a look around the actual landing site and see what you could see in the distance, because Apollo 12 was definitely, you know, right down there among them. It was, it was, you know, right in where the giants slept. And Apollo 11 was more symbolic. It was kind of in the middle of nowhere. And then the first thing they did when Al Bean um, gets out of the lunar module is he takes the camera, which is strapped to the little um, uh, tray on the side of the spacecraft, and he takes it and he does the absolute one thing he was trained not to ever do. He points it right into the sun and burns out the optics. So, again, the reason for that is because they had secretly, and it's all documented in, my, in, uh, in Hidden Agenda, secretly they had scanned the horizon. They had realized you were probably going to be able to see this stuff in the background, and so they burned the camera out. And so there's virtually little, there's little to no footage at all of the Apollo 12 uh, moonwalks. And then in later missions, they did bring the color camera down, but they applied I found out they applied high-pass filters and low-pass filters and did other things to degrade the image in the interest of so-called signal compression. In reality, what it does is it takes away the background subtle details so you were not able to see stuff that was in the background. But fortunately, a lot of it does show up in the handheld photography because those lenses and cameras were a lot better than the TV cameras. So again, I look at that and I'm like, okay, that's conspiracy. That's definitely... Um, Definitely was done on purpose. So, great question. So, so, Mike, you are a firm believer, though, that there w was alien life on the moon, correct? Well, maybe not when we went there, but there yeah, I mean, has been point. alien life, yeah, in the past, or or extraterrestrial life. Now, the way I would distinct distinguish between alien life and extraterrestrial life is that alien life, to me, is something that's not genetically related to us. Extraterrestrial life is something that is genetically related to us. Some, somebody who could maybe pass for one of us, who would look very humanoid, could probably even walk among us, but um, but live there in a distant past. So okay, I guess the answer is yeah. When, when do you think that that civilization or whatever it was uh, disappeared or, or just vanished off the moon, and what do you think ever happened to them? 
Well, I don't have a clue. I mean, you can speculate all you want, but until we actually get there and maybe do some tests, we're not ever really going to know. Um, well, do you think it was more bases, or do you think it was a planet oh, thriving Oh, yeah, life? there were bases. And, and again, the reason I tend to lean more towards my definition of extraterrestrial rather than alien is because you look at the architecture of this stuff, and it looks like stuff that we would build. It's on a scale that is almost unimaginable to us, but it definitely looks like human engineering. It follows the same principles. And now those principles could be universal, but I tend to think that this is definitely stuff that was um, built by humanoids a long time ago. As to when it happened, it's pure. it would be pure speculation on my part. I really don't know. Um, but I, I think it was at least hundreds of thousands of years ago, if not millions of years ago. And I think you're looking at different epochs. I think you're looking at stuff that was built way, way, way back, maybe as far back as 500 million years ago. And then you're looking at stuff that's much more recent, maybe only one or two million years ago. Because the level of degradation and the meteor impacts, they, that tells you that this stuff is, is pretty ancient. It's not very new or modern looking. Okay. And what, but what's your theory also on the whole idea of the, the dark side of the moon, um, there being alien life forms still but on, on the opposite side of the moon, and that's one of the main reasons that we never did head back to the moon. Well, I always get that question, and the truth is nobody really knows. I mean, we've got good photographic coverage of the backside of the moon, and there are some strange things there. There's this, this very controversial um, pyramidal structure called a ziggurat that uh, I got into a big argument with some people about back in 2012. That Again, this is a classic example. It shows up clear as day on the original Apollo prints, but then on the the web stuff it's like completely whitewashed out um there is that stuff there but i mean everything that i've seen on the moon is in ruins on the other hand if there's an active base on the back side of the moon they're they're simply not going to show you that they're not going to allow those photographs out if it's really obvious so i don't know that there's any proof that there's any bases on the back side of the moon there certainly are stories about it but you know i it's not like it's not like one of the astronauts has come out and said, yeah, and by the way, on the backside, there's active bases, and some of them are alien, and some of them are ours. That just hasn't happened. So there's nothing to, to push that rumor you know, a little closer to credibility for me. It just doesn't, doesn't seem to be anything definitive on it. Mike, we've got about a minute before we have to go to break again, but I want to just extend the extend the uh, alien discussion to Mars because you've also said that there's evidence of least past um, civilizations on Mars. Uh, yeah, uh, certainly you see objects like the face on Mars, the the structures at Sidonia. One of my friends, Keith Laney, has done a great job working with new high resolution images of things like the NM pyramid, which is a five sided pentagonal pyramid that's symmetrical about two different axes which just cannot possibly have occurred naturally there's small pyramids all over the place on mars there's evidence of a of a subterranean civilization uh, in the area of sidonia on mars in the infrared so there's just overwhelming evidence that mars is covered with this stuff and then you know you look at, at the images there's a bunch of people on facebook uh, martin graney among them rami barelian people that have facebook groups that study these images all the time they study images from mars and you know that are taken by the rovers and it 
Mars is a junkyard. There's literally all kinds of stuff that I look at, and I can clearly say that's not a rock, that's an electrical box, that's a you know circuit board, that's a projector, that's a lamp, that's an air conditioner. As mm -hmm. an engineer, mechanical engineer, I just see stuff everywhere. So Mars, if anything, is even you know more intensely populated than you see it at at the large scale from far away at the medium resolution for more close up and then down on the ground with the ground truth from the rovers you just see all kinds of stuff this is our good friend vince vince welcome to beyond reality radio great to have you on the show oh man what? i have missed you guys <laughs> <laughs> oh we, we we took a week off and the world fell apart huh vince yeah well you shouldn't have made that stop i told you about <laughs> oh that stop yeah no we avoided that place <laughs> yeah whatever <laughs> well, uh, I guys, mean, I, I totally missed you. I mean, this whole place missed you. Oh, that means everything and, to us. I mean, we are we were lost <laughs> for a week without you. Oh, jeez. I, I don't mean, know what to totally say. Lost. <laughs> jeez, I, I, yeah, I'm kind of lost for words here. And going to, and we're just all just idiots. No, no, no. Come on, you guys all without, hung out together. I mean, but uh, no. Uh, the, the man talking, I agree Mike with Parker. a lot of the things he's saying. Uh, you know, we went to the moon. We went. We didn't go. Why? Why don't we go back and back and back? Well, there's an old. Uh, I think it was Kurt Vonnegut or something was his name, but he he wrote a mess. He wrote a book and wrote and had several videos. Uh, uh, the moon Mars missions and. Uh, I think that's all a distraction from the real deal because I think everybody knows that these are uninhabitable planets and uh, there's, there's another planet out there they're going to and uh, they're just they're messing with our heads on that one. That's uh, just a total a total conspiracy theory in itself. It's like let's throw this out there and let the dogs chew on this bone. Meanwhile. You know, the meat shall inherit the earth. I don't think it means the poor. I don't think it means, the you know, the meek is humble. I think it means the meek as the poor people. Hey, you little poor people, you're going to inherit the earth, and we're going on. And and they already have their place. And, and, and Mars and the moon, they're done. And, uh, you know, the moon is older than the earth. How does that happen? I don't know. So it's like it's a crazy mix-up. But uh, in the meantime, I really just wanted to shout out to you guys how much I missed you. Oh well, that means a lot to us, man. It really does. And uh... I mean, you guys, uh, you know, I was at a really, really low point in my life, and I am at right now. You know, I'm at that that point now. But you guys, you know, being gone for a week, I know you enjoyed your vacation. Well, it wasn't even a vacation. I was working. I was actually doing an appearance for Fleer, and uh, but it, well, it, was, it was definitely I just a good time. Need to pay you double time. <laughs> actually, I did it for free, believe it or not. So just to oh, go out no, there. Oh no! Don't do that. <laughs> oh come on! I, I actually <laughs> but, I I mean, did. No, no, no. What I'm saying is that uh, you know, I, you know, all your listeners and all the people in the chat room, we all just struggled through the week. <laughs> Well, we'll try. We'll try not to take any more vacay. <laughs> but I thanks mean, a lot, Vince. JV, don't you laugh? <laughs> well, we're just. You we're know, just... And, I, and I wish the best for 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 JV and his family and everything else. Thank but you. I'm just saying, you know, guys. I mean, I, I really, you guys really, you brought me out of a uh, 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 a place, a dark place, 
And I love to hear you guys every night, and you guys are just an inspiration to me. Well, thank you, Vince. I mean, that means a lot, and we're not going anywhere for a while. We won't take another vacay for a while. You have our word on that. Yeah, so. thanks. I want to bring uh, Mike in, though. I want to ask him his thoughts on uh, Vince's comment there. He suspects that maybe, um, you know, these missions, whether it's Mars or the moon, are really just a distraction, and there's a, a, an inhabitable planet somewhere out there that really is the focus, and it's the safe haven of uh, the people in charge at some point. What do you think about that, Mike? Well, I think that's a, a distinct possibility, although nobody knows what that is. I mean, Mars may be more habitable than we think. I mean, you, you look and there's a lot of stuff in the pictures that looks like fossils. It looks like there was uh, definitely life there in the past. Dr. Gil Levin, who ran one of the Viking life test experiments, swears up and down that um, you know his test came back positive for life, that there is bacterial life on Mars right now. And the truth is, you know, that it would be really pretty easy to terraform Mars. I think we could probably, if we just started sending genetically engineered uh, plant life, like lichens, to Mars, if we launched it there and just let this stuff spread all over the planet, we we could have it, you know, a pretty decent working ecosystem. I think in about a hundred years at the most. And to me, that's a project we should be working on right now. Now, in terms of the other planets being um, habitable, you know. Uh, good luck with that. Uh, it doesn't seem like that's the case right now when you look around the solar system. But there's no reason that there there couldn't be something out there. I just don't know specifically, um, you know, what it is, where it is, and which planet it might be, or if it's something that's completely unknown. Um, but guys, you know, I just wanted to say that on his comment about how much he missed you guys, and you know, it, it's really a privilege for us to do this, and it means a lot to people. I. I came uh, at the Conscious Life Expo, which is coming up in February in L.A. at the LAX Hilton. A couple years ago, um, I had a guy come up to me and he said, you know, I'm, I'm in a group of 10 monks. And, you know, every Thursday night we get together and read from the choice. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, you're <laughs> kidding me. So I just, you know, I mean, uh, take you know, take that guy um, – you know, take that in, gentlemen, because you are doing important work and, it, and you know, I think we all are in our own way. And it's just it's really great that people care about what we what we talk about. Ultimately, you're doing your part. Everybody's doing their part to wake people up to the fact that, you know, the world is really weird and it's really different than we're trained to believe it is and somebody's got to do that because you know we're the ones that are awake we're not the crazy ones the the one the people who are completely cut off from this stuff um are the ones that, that i think are really kind of crazy because it's like what what reality do you live in because i look around and i see stuff all over the place that's really freaky so well you were saying you were saying something uh just a little while ago about how and these these civilizations on these other planets, you know, what happened to them? Did they just uh, take off? Were they destroyed? Um, some sort of a, a catastrophe that happened? And thinking about that, it the more and more you think about that, it really it becomes a terrifying situation. If you think about it, if, if there were things on these other planets and there were civilizations that were destroyed, whether it be from an asteroid strike, whether it be just from uh, the, the planet just not being able to support life and dying out— um, it it becomes a terrifying situation because we're sitting here following in the in those same steps and really we're we're nothing but a plague to this planet i think uh, anybody out there can can agree to that we we take all the resources we destroy it and uh and you just wonder how many I don't, times I don't, history I don't returns. agree what i don't agree 
You, you, you're one of the worst people to destroy this planet. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't agree with that. But anyway, go ahead. Wait, what do you mean? You oh, don't, I am, no, I no but I mean, we I do. We, no, we, I, we I don't, suck I don't the necessarily resources agree with that. But, well, I don't necessarily agree with that. But, but uh, you know, there is a reality that, that planets can um, lose their ability to sustain life. They can. There's various ways through which that can happen. Um, you know, I think Venus, one of the things I argue in the choice is that Venus and Mars were both just as habitable as the Earth. You know, there was an inner Earth, an outer Earth, and a middle Earth. That's this one, and this is the only one left. And yes, I, I think Tolkien knew what he was talking about when he named this place Middle Earth. And, you know, it looks like a huge, a huge comet or asteroid basically hit Venus at a glancing angle toward this huge groove. You can see this huge groove torn out of the planet, vaporized the oceans, and turned it into the unimaginable hell it is now. So life and places that can sustain life are very fragile. And there's the other possibility, which is pure speculation, and I'm not saying this is what happened. The other possibility is war. Um, the planets were destroyed in a, in a war. And I think that, you know, I've done some work in, in both Dark Mission and in The Choice talking about how there appear to be a couple of missing planets in this solar system at least and the question is how did it happen now my personal thing is i tend to think that these shows like terminator movies like terminator and shows like battlestar galactica and blade runner are very prescient it's almost like a racial memory i think what happened was is that we built our machines too smart in the distant past and they turned on us and i think we had to fight them off and i think that's what happened that devastated the solar system, but I can't prove it. It's, it's speculation, but it's like my gut instinct is telling me that that's what happened. And again, like you said, that's a warning to us to be careful about repeating the same mistakes again this cycle. Not and, and we've talked mistakes. about that many times on this show, uh, just the technology and how quickly advancing it is and with artificial intelligence and, and the things well where where does it become a situation where they start realizing that we're we're destructive to their ability to survive and yeah so it, it it's definitely a feasible thing that can happen our guest tonight has been mike barra mike uh you've written a number of books um uh, many different topics conspiracy theories etc where can people find the books well you can get uh my adventures unlimited press books, Ancient Aliens on the Moon, Ancient Aliens on Mars, Ancient Aliens on Mars 2, Ancient Aliens and Secret Societies, and Hidden Agenda. You can get them from Adventures Unlimited Press, which is uh, David Hatcher Childress's line, or you can pick them up on Amazon.com, or you can usually and frequently find them in Barnes & Noble bookstores. They actually physically get into the bookstores. Same thing applies to uh, Dark Mission, the original book I wrote with Richard Hoagland back in 2007. And also the choice is typically still available um, on Amazon and from New Page Books. And occasionally I've seen it still, believe it or not, in the odd bookstore. So you can pick all those up and they all have different um, subjects, matters and focuses, I guess I would say. Well, and Mike, and also just because I'm, I'm a fan uh, of your work and I've seen you many times on the History Channel. And uh, I, when we when we do jump on a bunch of other stations, I'd like to have you back on because there's oh, a I'd lot of different to. topics we can talk about. Well, thanks so much for your time, Mike. It's been great chatting with you. And like Jason said, we'll definitely have you back on the show uh, soon. 
Sounds good. I see a little bit of whining can get you a long way. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Mike. I appreciate we'll, it, gentlemen. All right, hey, we'll thank talk you. soon. Mike Vera. Um, we have, great guy. Yeah, uh, great guy. Great, a uh, lot of knowledge there, a um, lot of work behind the knowledge, and uh, we'll be anxious to have him back on because we really need to touch, scratch the surface on the things that he talks about and things he's uh, he's written about. So, um, like you said, Jay, even you know, once we uh, get the other stations on board, we'll bring them on and uh, we'll have more conversation. Big shout out to everybody out there. If you haven't liked the Facebook page yet, check it out at facebook.com slash beyond reality radio and uh, stay tuned. We've got some great shows coming up. Thanks for listening. It's beyond reality paranormal. We'll see you next time.